Hello everyone. More questions and answers. Um, today's question, all of these, most of these questions are questions that were asked many months ago, so I'm uh, not really answering uh, people's questions directly. And I apologize for that. Uh, but the idea as well is to find questions that are frequently asked or questions that um, appeal to many, many meditators. And so the, that the answers can have a, a broad reach. Uh, so today's question is about the tension that comes from meditating. So the question is, uh, why do we hold our hands together when we do walking meditation? Because this person finds it makes their body tense. And wouldn't it be better if we just had our hands uh, relaxed at the side? And so the question is whether there is some deeper reason for holding our hands together or whether it's all the same if we should just put our hands by our sides. So um, to get to um, to do away with the technical side of things first. Uh, there, there's a minor reason for holding your hands together. I think it uh, reflects a more focused uh, posture than just swinging your hands by your side, right? Because then there's movement involved. If you clasp your hands together, they're not moving anymore. And uh, so it, it, it leads to a greater focus, right? So we try to create a state whereby we can focus on one experience at a time. And so we actually aren't walking. Walking is not what we're doing. What we're doing is standing quite still and then moving one piece of our body, our foot. Wait until that movement ends and start another movement. And try and be aware of the beginning and the end of the movement, right? So, um, from a technical perspective, the answer is yes, there's an important, um, there's a reason for it. Put your, hold your hands together when you walk. Um, but it's common for people to not want to do this because it is unnatural and for sure in the beginning for many people leads to tension tension in the shoulders in the back and so the question is why would why why would you do such a thing or wouldn't it be better to relax right? to find some way to not feel that tension Uh, and and so the so okay the first two parts the first part is that it's not actually 
in most cases, the fact that you're holding your hands together that's causing you tension. For a new meditator, the tension is generally caused by uh, being tense, uh, having a overactive, stressful uh, state of state of being, um, having habits that are reoccurring um, stress you know, that cause cause the mind to become stressed out. Uh, repeatedly. So throughout the day, we start to think about things we have to do in the future, things that happened to us in the past, experiences in the present, our wants and our desires, what we could be doing instead of meditating, our irritations, the, um, the disliking or the worry about the practice. doubt about the practice, all of these things lead to stress. And that stress, of course, builds up in the body and leads to tension. And so it's quite common for a beginner meditator to experience the tension and to think, oh, this is uncomfortable, this is unpleasant, this is suffering. And, and based on their way of looking at things, to try and find some way to uh, end the suffering. It seems reasonable. It's reasonable to want to try to end suffering, right? Isn't that what Buddhism was all about? Um, so, but the first, the first point to clarify is it's not that you hold your hands together, that, that you suffer, that, that there is suffering. It's not even that you hold your hands together, that you're tense, because of course, uh, meditators, who some meditators do it, and and even from the beginning have no stress or, or suffering. Certainly, someone who's done it for a while will finally do it without any stress or suffering. But the second thing is, even if or uh, even were it the case that holding your hands together led to tension and. Practically speaking, that's what's happening for a beginner meditator because, of course, when you're very, very stressed out, you can find ways to relax your body to keep uh, the stress from impacting the body, right? When we have mental stress, we'll lie down or we'll go for a run or we'll engage in all sorts of things, dancing maybe, or, or um, we eat lots of food or something, we do something, take drugs, right? Uh, marijuana is one, a big one now, alcohol. Uh, it prevents the stress from taking over. Uh, so, so practically speaking, you know, the, the uh, holding your hands together in this case is causing you tension. So, we have to understand what we're trying to do in the meditation. Meditation is not for the purpose of relaxing or avoiding or manipulating or fixing even. Meditation uh, in the Buddhist teaching is ultimately for the purpose of seeing, knowing, understanding, facing, uh, being patient, 
and being objective and equanimous about reality. So what happens when we run away, when we um, relax, is that we reinforce our aversion to the tension. You know, we create uh, or we um, augment our habits uh, of disliking of the tense state or the suffering state, and it gets worse and worse and worse. So. In, in the Buddha's teaching, we understand suffering in, in a very different way than an ordinary understanding. So our ordinary understanding of suffering is what we call dukkha vedana. We understand suffering to be like this. We have this feeling and that's suffering. So what's the answer to uh, our suffering and the feeling? Right? When you uh, change the condition, when you run away from it, when you do something, relax your arms, do some yoga, do some stretching, uh, lie down, go for a swim, go for a run, take some drugs, <laughs> whatever it might be. Uh, well, the suffering's gone, right? And so this is how people understand suffering. And why people come to practice meditation is because, well, they've found that philosophy, that worldview, that approach uh, lacking. They come across some suffering or some reality of suffering that they just can't figure out how to free themselves from. They start to see that they're not, they admit that they're not capable of escaping suffering, of running away from it, of ending the feelings. This is called dukkha sabhava. And, and when meditators come to practice, they're, they're just grasp, grappling with this. So half the time they're still trying to run away, and, and slowly, slowly, they're starting to become more capable more uh, able to face the suffering and to be with suffering and to um, to change the way they look at suffering. To see dukkha sabhava means suffering is a part of life. There are sufferings that we can't free, free ourselves from: old age, sickness, death. You know, sometimes when we l lose something, lose a loved one, lose a job or a possession or something and we just can't get it back you know, th there's no solution it's not as simple as just relaxing your hands we realize that this approach of trying to escape suffering is is not actually helping us it's led us to this point where we suffer terribly for our losses or for um, for our situations when they get out of our out of hand, out of our our um, out of our ability to to control them, then uh, running away is no longer an option. We see that 
And we see that that has only led us to this, to, to, to greater stress. So take this example, when you relax your hands, uh, you were walking with your hands together and you relax them, and then the next time that tension comes, you uh, immediately have to find some way to relax. And any time tension comes, you have to find a way to relax, and more and more and more until, well, this is the state of most of us. Um, people who go to get massages on a regular basis. It's not that they're more tense than other people. Well, in fact, they, they become more tense. But it's that they're more reactive to the tension. They've reacted again and again to the tension. Someone who comes to practice mindfulness, who really gets into mindfulness, will change the way they look at suffering, and they'll, they'll start to see that it's the wrong way of looking at things. A much better way to look at, at suffering is that it's a part of life. Um, and, and instead of trying to escape the things that cause us suffering, we have to stop letting the things that cause us suffering cause us suffering. Right? The thing, let, letting those things cause us suffering. So when there's tension in your body, this is a long answer, the, the, the very short answer is just to say to yourself, tense, tense, tense. And of course, when you do that, you'll start to face the tension. You, it, will, it will have less of a power over you. There will be less of a reaction to it. And you'll, you'll be less stressed out about it. As a result, you'll be less tense. And the tension will slowly, you know, the feedback loop goes backwards. And there'll be less and less tension because you're no longer stressed about your stress and so on. Now, as you continue to practice, I mean, this sounds somewhat fatalistic, but you start to become more philosophical about it. You say, well, it's a part of life, right? And that changes the way you look at things, and you start to become more reasonable and rational and objective and really wise about things, you know, seeing that things change, that the things that we like you know, are, are unpredictable ultimately unpredictable. Even if you can predict for a long, long time, have a stable life where you get everything you want, it's never sure. It can't be sure forever. And so you become more philosophical and say, oh, everything changes. Of course, in meditation, it's not just it's not an intellectual thing. It's, it's every moment seeing uh, the good things come the bad things come and go and come and go, unpredictable. And so you, you start to, to, by philosophical, I mean, you, you, you become sort of um, dispassionate, is the point, right? Rather than stressing or reacting to everything, you start to see things more clearly and see that everything Everything that I'm noting, all these things that I'm experiencing, are unpredictable, are um, unsatisfying. This is called dukkha lakana. So dukkha lakana means everything is suffering. And what does that mean? It's very different, as I said, different from the way we think of suffering. Because, of course, a pleasurable feeling is not suffering, not in the way we understand it. Why do, why do we say that 
everything that arises is dukkha. Dukkha here means it's not sukha. It can't satisfy you. It's not real happiness. When, when you, uh, when you have pleasure, if you see it as happiness, as yes, this is it. This is what I'm looking for. What I want, then you cling to it. And if you cling to it, then you'll want more. You'll cultivate a habit. You'll develop an addiction to it, and it becomes more and more uh, important that you get it. It becomes more and more necessary for you to be happy. And the same goes with unhappy things. When you have the tension, the more and more you try to change it, try and bring about the pleasure, bring about a, a happy state, a, a relaxed state. The more and more you become addicted to that and, and, and reactionary to the tension and the suffering. So Dukkalakana doesn't mean that everything is painful, it means that everything is unsatisfying, is not happiness. There's nothing, nothing you can cling to, you can find, you can get, obtain, become, see, hear, smell, taste, feel, or think. Nothing that will satisfy you. There's nothing that's worth clinging to. And you start to see this. This is really what happens, this is what's most imperative if this, uh, what would would you have? What is necessary to happen in insight meditation is for you to see dukkalakana, to see that nothing's worth clinging to. Right? This tension is not worth clinging to, not worth trying to fix. Relaxation, a relaxed state, is not worth clinging to. Nothing in the body or in the mind is worth clinging to. And you'll start to see that through the practice. As you see this on and on and on and on, at this point, once you see more clearly in, in what we call the characteristic of suffering, that all things are not worth clinging to or are not sukha, then you, have, you start to have no problem with things like tension. You'll be equanimous mindful, become dispassionate, uh, and so you start to see things, and you really do become quite relaxed, but relaxed even when you're tense, even when you're in pain, even when you're thinking. Whatever you do throughout everything you do, you're relaxed. As you develop that, you come to the final understanding, what we call the truth of suffering. The truth of suffering is, it's not a philosophy. I can't tell you what is the truth of suffering. I mean, it's, it's outlined in the Buddha's teaching. But what, what we mean by the truth of suffering is when you finally understand. You understand that nothing is worth clinging to. You understand that happiness is not in anything that happiness is, there is happiness, uh, but it's outside of experience, it's outside of phenomena, and you have this sort of like an epiphany, right? it becomes, all that happens is this understanding that everything is 
nothing is worth clinging to, just becomes very real. Instead of seeing individual things, oh, this isn't worth this thing that I'm, this habit that I have, this need to be relaxed, this disliking of the tension, this is a cause for suffering and, and not worth clinging to. So you see that about individual things becomes an overarching, overwhelming uh, realization. It's everything. Nothing. Nothing is worth clinging to. And it's not an intellectual thing. It's not something you think to yourself. It's, it's um, an experience, a, a feeling, an outlook, a view. Your whole mind is uh, entranced by this feeling, this, this concept. Nothing is worth clinging to. I mean, it just it, it gets you. And that's the last moment. That's the moment of the realization of the truth of suffering. When you see that nothing is worth clinging to. And the next moment is Nibbana or Nirvana. A person enters into a state, uh, no arising, no suffering. And they become a noble one, someone who has seen the truth. And they live their life not worrying about things like uh, physical suffering, mental suffering. So a long answer to a very simple question, um, but I wanted to talk generally about this idea of trying to escape suffering, because it comes up often in meditation. A meditator will um, need a comfortable seat or not be able to sit, have to do lying meditation, not be able to do any meditation, all because they have a perception that when there's suffering, you have to fix it. When there's a problem, you have to solve it. You have to change the condition. And that's not, that, that's absolutely the opposite of how insight meditation works. So when you come to this meditation practice, beware, be aware that when an unpleasant experience arises, whether it's in walking or it's in sitting, and they will, the purpose of the meditation is to learn to face, is to learn to observe, is to learn to change the way we look at things, rather than this is something to be avoided, this is something to be understood, to, to use as, an, as a tool to understand that nothing is worth clinging to, to start to see how our clinging, how our reactions, our aversion leads to suffering. So absolutely it has to be um, the opposite of that. Whether or not relaxing your arms would get rid of the tension is not the point. The point is the fact that you want to be free from tension is creating this habit, is reinforcing this way of looking at suffering that it's all wrong. The, the, I must get away, I must... It's a vulnerability. You become someone opposite, the Buddha said, when, when the changes in life come to you and your mind is not, uh, it's not moved, it's not, doesn't waver, when, when you're not affected, when you don't react, 
that's that's safety. But then then the Buddha used the word safety. Kema. Kema means uh, safe means invincible. Nothing can hurt you. Right. Take two people. One person experiences this tension. Another person. Uh, both people experience this tension. One person has to get rid of it. This person is is going to suffer because they feel this tension. The other person experiences it. They, they, nothing can bother you. They have no uh, no suffering, or no vulnerability to suffering. The and and ultimately, it's the only sure way to be free from suffering is to not react to those things that cause you suffering. So, there you go. Um, just trying to be clear when we talk about meditation. What type of meditation we're talking about. It's not meditation to relax. It's meditation to face, to overcome, to be capable of experiencing everything, the whole, full spectrum of reality without suffering.